Well, chances are, if you check your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed or you watch the news, uh, at some point today you'll be reminded that it was 19 years ago today uh, that, um, that the two towers, the Twin Towers, uh, in New York City were brought down by terrorists. Uh, and, uh, you know, well over 3,000 lives were lost. Countless others were affected, uh, both by the direct loss of those in the buildings, uh, but even just uh, uh, the repercussions that followed that, you know, whether it was, um, you know, just businesses uh, that were affected by uh, losing loved employees and that, or whether it was really probably one of the most lasting, one of the most lasting impacts of that is the, uh, the fear and the cynicism about the world that has uh, ultimately grown out of that time. I remember uh, I lived in Illinois at the time. I was working at uh, uh, a tall building in Chicago, and uh, you can imagine that once uh, you know that second plane hit and we realized it wasn't an accident, uh, cities began to evacuate in Chicago, uh, where I was working. Uh, my wife and I are both working in Chicago, and uh, you know we got on trains and and uh, everybody in the city made their way to the quickest way out of town and uh, air travel was suspended and uh, I remember walking through the streets of Chicago getting over to Union Station and um, and uh, cars were moving uh, but it was about one of the most eerie experiences I'd had because uh, the city of Chicago which is normally loud and you know bustling and cars uh, horns honking and, and people impatiently making their way around everywhere and just you know, it's, a, it's an extremely noisy city in many respects. And, uh, but I remember uh, that day walking to Union Station uh, and uh, it was, I mean, it's impossible to imagine that it was actually silent, but it seemed as though it was actually really, really quiet. Everybody looking up into the skies, uh, uh, cars just making their way, but it, it didn't seem like anybody was trying to push their way out or anything. It just seemed like there was kind of a, a strange, order to a normally chaotic situation as everybody seemed to sort of understand the need to get out of town and, and, and just to, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to say it was the Holy Spirit that just sort of like brought a peace to enough people to get everybody safely out of town. Um, but, you know, in the years that have followed, you know, every year we remember this day, we think about what happened, we say never forget. And you know, it's, um, it's a painful time, very directly for so many who lost, again, very directly in that time. Um, but again, one of the lasting impacts of that was just the changes that uh, came societally through this. Uh, you know, we realized that, you know, we're not invulnerable, that, uh, that somebody would dare to attack us and that kind of thing. Lots of thoughts swirl around your head, you know. Um, and for a little while, uh, sadly, all too short of a time, a lot of people began to cry out to God and call for His grace to be shed upon us again. And, and um, you know, Congress people would stand on the steps uh, there in Washington and pray together. And, and uh, it was a beautiful sentiment, and I, I won't even doubt the sincerity of it in the moment. But unfortunately, it lasted for far too short of a time. And the society we live in now is a world that is very, very different than it was back then. Um, and one of the things that is probably marks our society more than most other things is a general sense of hopelessness among many. You know, we live in a time where, uh, you know, uh, suicide, granted we're living in a time where there's a, you know, 
the whole COVID thing going on, but, you know, suicide, thoughts of suicide among people from ages, you know, from young teens all the way up into their, you know, mid-30s has skyrocketed. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really, it's a really depressing time in many respects. I'm, I'm not a down person. Uh, if you know me at all, you know, I'm, I'm much more of an optimist. And, um, but I have to also be a realist, and that is that the world that we're living in, no doubt any of us who pay attention realize this is not Mayberry anymore. This isn't uh, Avonlea or whatever your taste is. But um, we find ourselves having to deal with so many different, I guess, so many different assaults from so many different directions. It's, you know... In, in the attacks on 9-11, we could see the planes hitting the towers and going toward the Pentagon and, um, you know, in all these places uh, that, uh, that, that attacks were successful and, and were thwarted. Praise the Lord, thwarted in that one instance in particular with the passengers on was Flight 91, I think. And, um, but nowadays we find ourselves not just facing attack from physical enemies, you know, it's not Al-Qaeda anymore and that kind of thing. There are physical enemies that, as a nation, we have to be aware of in that. But in our day, we have an enemy that is far more pervasive than just a single ideology of hate. Uh, he's the source of hate. Uh, he's the source of the kind of arrogance and pride that leads people to callously murder others and destroy lives and fly airplanes into buildings or loot uh, innocent business owners so many other horrendous kinds of things. And as I remember the, the very short period of time that people sought God during that period, uh, calling for restoration, asking God to be gracious to us, and that uh, sentiments that were sincere but faded so quickly. Um, we find ourselves today in a time where, as believers, uh, as those who love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, uh, we're living in a time when Seeking the Lord can't be a short-term sentiment. We can easily get riled up. We can watch the news. I get riled up. You know, I got to make sure I, my intake is only so much because I get riled up like anybody else. Um, but getting riled up sometimes causes us to take physical actions, personal actions on things that aren't necessarily uh, the right things to do. But one thing I can say without any uh, hesitation whatsoever is that the right thing to do that we always know is the right thing to do is to come before the Lord and ask for His grace on a number of levels. His grace to be able to see things for what they are and to, while on the one hand having to be realistic about the times in which we live, to remember that there's a hope that's within us, a living hope, looking for the glorious returning of Jesus, looking for the eternity that is promised to us where we get to be with the Lord forever, which in itself is a reminder that this life is short, it's temporal. And if we understand that, then, then our lives don't really consist of just the short-term getting riled up or the short-term emotional charges of anger that happen when we see injustices. But when we understand that we're really created for something else, we're created for eternity, all of us are, that it drives us to respond differently. It drives us to cry out, on the one hand, how long, O oh Lord? But it also calls us to plead and to beg for God to, to work and to act in our time. Desperate times, desperate people pray desperate prayers. Maybe say that a little bit better. In desperate times, desperate people pray desperate prayers. And um, 
now's the time for that. And the times are desperate, um, but are we desperate? Are we desperate to see the wrongs righted rightly by God? Are we, are we desperate for all of the things that uh, we see in this life, lives being destroyed, people um, so harshly treating each other and, and just so callously uh, mistreating everybody, you know, people around them and stuff, people just mindlessly marching through the streets, destroying lives and destroying businesses. And, um, you know, we can clearly see the enemy's work at hand in this. His fingerprint is all over it. Well, Paul tells us that our warfare, our battle is not really against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And therefore, we need spiritual weapons. And it's interesting, when you're reading in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the Spirit, you know, shield of faith, and all these different things, uh, feet shod with the good news of the gospel. Um, when we, uh, uh, the belt of truth, and when we when we read that passage, it's interesting that the very next passage, verse 18, calls for us to pray, uh, uh, you know, to pray with, with a sense of urgency, to pray as part of the uh, weapons of our warfare. You know, it's not the afterthought, it's actually the weapons of our warfare. And so, it's part of the weapons of our warfare. And so, let me encourage, you know, just in this brief little sharing a few thoughts about this day and our responses, we realized that, you know, what happened on 9-11 was horrific and terrible and, and, and disastrous and uh, catastrophic in the lives of so many. There's, there's no end to the adjectives uh, that describe that. Um, in no way do I mean to minimize it, but it is part of a larger picture that is being painted by the enemy who seeks to destroy. And we need to pray against him. We need to pray against uh, all of his activity. We need to understand that these things will happen. Jesus spoke a lot about what the world was going to look like in the days leading up to his return. So on the one hand, we recognize things are going to happen. Evil will ultimately have its day, per se, but only its day, because ultimately Jesus is going to come. He's going to mop up, and when he does, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be life-giving, and it's also going to be a time of judging all of that sin, and ultimately, sadly, tragically, uh, those who stood on the side of, of Satan, those who stood on the side of evil and sought to destroy. Um, and we want to pray for as many of those to come to Christ before that time as we can. And so let me just close this up by praying that very thing. And I hope you'll join me in this and that you'll spend time, even more time maybe than you maybe are typically prone to doing um, as we find ourselves facing these times that are in front of us. Father, we just want to thank you for your grace toward us. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you that grace, love, and mercy are in no way contradictory to judgment, and that one day you will right the wrongs. One day you'll end uh, the horrific kinds of evil that happen in this world. We thank you that one day every tear will be wiped away, that one day this will all be done, and we'll be able to enjoy your presence forever. Those of us who know you, and Father, there are a lot of people out there who don't, and whether they're violently opposed to you or whether they're just casually going through their lives, keeping you at arm's length. We just want to thank you that you're a God of grace and mercy, and you'll receive a sinner when they come. And so I just pray for those right now who are in that camp, in that boat, on that side of things, uh, standing against you, again, whether violently or casually, that, Father, you will cause them to realize their need for you, the wrong of their ways, the evil of their actions and intentions, and that, Father, they'd fall upon your grace and mercy, asking you 
to just bestow upon them that free gift of grace, that beautiful forgiveness that has been so graciously paid for through the finished work of Christ on the cross. We thank you, God, that you are a loving God and that that love will one day cause you to bring to an end the evil, but it's also that love that ultimately lifts us out of that place of evil and puts our feet instead on a rock where we can see your glory and see your majesty and one day see you face to face. So, Father, we pray that you would heal our land. We pray that you would bring people to you uh, from that place of evil, Lord, that, uh, that, that, that bondage to Satan. Free them, Father, that they might walk with you and know you and that they might passionately live the rest of their lives for the right, for the good, for Jesus. And Father, we love you and praise you and pray for those who are hurting on this day from their loss. Some stings and, and, and losses are not uh, the kind that really ever fade. And so for those who lost somebody, Father, for those who are suffering through the, the constant reminders uh, year after year of, of that tragic day, of the loss that they suffered, Father, we pray that you bring your grace upon them and comfort them as only you can. We love you, Lord. And we just pray that you bring peace. And we pray that the Prince of Peace would come soon. And it's in his name we ask this.